This is Geek Gab with your host, Doranal and me, Daddy Warpig. We are back. Geek Gab for Saturday, September 28, 2019. Um, man, I want to say I want to say thank you to everybody who tuned in today. It is a oh, yeah, but that's only for me. See, look, are you there, Dornall? You are on mute now. Are you not on mute anymore? Hello. <laughs> oh, you're all chipper. It, it's a gray day where I am. Like oh, yeah? It's, it's the kind of day that should either be drizzling or have like a light rain, only it's not. It's just overcast. It's, it's like Seattle weather around here. Indeed. In fact, uh, autumn has announced its arrival this week of course we are officially in in fall and it's been a little drizzly a little rainy a little cloudy all week and it is the perfect week you ready for this the perfect week to go to the theater and enjoy some movies um but anyways i'm here thanking people for showing up because in my mind it's such a it's such a dark and gloomy and depressing day that they you know i'm just thinking people will probably like lean back and watch some tv and read a book or something you know they're not ready for the sheer balls to the wall adrenaline fueled excitement of geek gab so i'm thanking the people who shut up and then i realized wait a minute in a sheer coincidence that's mind-blowing, they don't all have the same weather all over the planet where people tune in. All over the world. I do hope we have listeners from all over the world. That'd be it's great. amazing, but they do not have the same... Well, we have listeners in Singapore. We have listeners in Israel. So that counts. There we go. Geek Gab circumnavigates the globe. <laughs> you can find us in any kind of weather. So you see my conundrum there. I was thinking, I was just kind of down here. Yes, this is me down. This is me on slow speed. This is me uh, when I'm despondent. This is me needing some excitement and uh, some pep. Speaking of seeing a lot of movies, it's been a while since we did a movie review show. Yeah, I almost forgot how to do them. And I, I've seen some things. I, I don't mean it that way. I don't mean I, that in the Rambo way. I mean, Rambo has seen some things. Sure. That, I mean, that's what the entire movie we're going to talk about revolves around. Rambo having seen some things. Now, I saw some shows, specifically, and even if we only give these like one or two minutes, some of them, uh, I'm going to hit all of them, because I've seen all of them, and by gum and by golly, I'm going to talk about them on The Gab. Hey, that's what we're here for. I saw Rambo Last Blood, which you also saw. Sure did. I saw It Chapter 2. I'm I don't sorry. think you've seen that. Uh, yeah, I, I missed the first chapter as well. Uh, I saw a series on Amazon Prime called Carnival Row. And uh, I don't know how much we're going to be able to talk about it, but I predict that if Jeffro ever saw this show, he would go killdozer. Like, oh, for sure. Full on killdozer. This, this is not Jeffro-friendly entertainment. No. And then I saw Mortal Engines. And then I saw Veronica Mars Season 4. Now, I did, just for clarity... One of these is not like the other. <laughs> just for clarity's sake, these are not in chronological order. I have just seen them all since the last, since the last show where we reviewed something. And I've been kind of depressed that we haven't gotten to talk about reviews. Because I'll go see something, and I'm excited. And, and I want to go talk about it. I'm like, come on, The Gab, and we've got another guest. 
And I'm just thinking to myself, dang it, it is so unfair that we keep finding so many interesting, cool, amazing people who want to come on the show. I mean, how many great, awesome, skilled, talented people does one show really need? At least one more. I've got a great guest lined up for a couple of weeks from now. It's a surprise. I also have a really, really good guest lined up for uh, some vague point in the future. When the, But I'm going to give mine away. When the next book comes out in the Galaxy's Edge series, um, then uh, Nick Cole is coming on the show. We're going to talk about the new series and some... Uh, stuff he he dropped online that i wanted to ask him about oh that's so, great that's that's real special we we had we haven't had him on in like a year yeah so um but yeah i i just i'm overwhelmed with awesome people and i was thinking you know what we've had too many awesome people so what we really need is a review show so chock full of reviews that we only get 10 minutes per show. <laughs> it's fine by me. This is the selfish stream here today. So, Rambo, Last Blood. So I want to ask you, how, how many Rambo movies have you seen? This will be my third one. Uh, a long time ago, I saw First Blood and First Blood Part 2, which I, I barely remember First Blood Part 2. And I, I, I missed the uh, intervening Rambos, but I, I went to the theater to check out Last Blood. Okay, so you you didn't see Rambo 3, which wasn't that big a loss. I, I think, I, I, I to jump straight to the review, I think I missed something going from Rambo First Blood to Rambo Last Blood. And, and, I, and judging by the clips I've seen online, Rambo 3 is where... Rambo shifted from an interesting story about a Vietnam vet to uh, how much ridiculous action can we pack into one film? That that was the one movie where things went really off the rails. And then Rambo 4. That was yeah, just called Rambo, right? Yeah, it, it, uh, it was called Rambo. It was called John Rambo in some uh, other areas um, overseas. Um, that's where they went and cut back. That's, that's during that time when Sylvester Stallone was kind of setting up like his legacy where he really dug deep and began doing acting things. Uh, that's when the last actual Rocky movie came out and that's when the last Rambo, what we thought was going to be the last Rambo came out. So it was just that one movie, number three, that was the goofy by comparison to the rest of the series, the go goofy action stuff. Uh, Rambo 4 was, in my opinion, the best of the of all of the movies. Oh, um, okay. So if you haven't seen that one, you did kind of miss out. But, you know, that's okay. You can still review this movie without it. But, but... There's nothing stopping me from going back and watching it. No, no. You're not... The, the, you're... The, they're, they're, there are copies that have not been destroyed in the great uh, media purge of 2013. Yes. Which nobody remembers because all records of that purge were also purged. That would make sense. That's how I would arrange it. Yeah. So what did you think of Rambo 5? Rambo 5, Rambo Last Blood. Frankly, and, and this is going to surprise you, I didn't like it that much. That's that's my overall. And, and I can hear the, the silence of, of shock coming over the internet uh it definitely was what the trailers had promised there was no uh there's there no monkeying around there were no surprises it was here's the setup you know that uh rambo has angered a group of mexican uh cartel criminals They've got lots of men, they've got lots of weapons, and so uh, Rambo gets them angry and he has to defend a, a property that he's Rambo-fied with booby traps, right? It's one man against an army. And you're like, yep, that's what you get. 
Are you still stunned? No, I, I'm thinking. <laughs> uh, but but and 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 I wish I wish that weren't the case because I love good action films. I love the the Rambo against the world sort of uh, uh, action. Uh, but I cannot hide my my natural reaction to it. I, I, had, I had to be honest with myself as I'm sitting there thinking, this isn't that fun. I I'm I'm not enjoying this as much as as I would. I I didn't enjoy it as much as I enjoyed uh, John Wick three, which was sort of uh, pales in comparison to the first couple of John Wicks. I found Rambo Last Blood to be a bit of a letdown. Oh yeah, I didn't think it was an awful movie, but it was not as good as I hoped it would be. And I was comparing it to number four, really. That's what I hoped it would be, is another one as number four. Um, and I still don't know where the movie fell down for me. Um, now, what, what were your expectations going into it? Expectations. The movie didn't have kind of the thematic weight that the fourth one did. Because the fourth one isn't about Rambo saving prisoners of war. It isn't about him uh, lashing out at people who did something bad to him. It isn't about him saving family members. It isn't about a personal fight at all. He's asked to protect some people who are going upriver to save, uh, going upriver to save some uh, refugees who are being brutalized by the government of this country. Um, and he agrees to protect them against his own wishes and against his own better judgment. Um, and then things go from there. So it's Rambo sacrificing for, it's a man without really hope. A man who's kind of ended up in a dead end in his life where he's living in a place, and he's making a living, he's surviving, but he doesn't really have anything larger than him to live for. And uh, he ends up finding something to invest in that's bigger than himself. It draws him out of himself. It draws him out of his life. He's no longer... He's no longer as morose and kind of lost in the past. And he gets out of it. He does the good he can. And then at the end of it, he decides to go home. To spend time with his family. And it was hopeful. It concluded the four-movie arc on this upbeat note where... He, he still has these burdens he carries. He still has these demons he's dealing with. But he's taken steps to reconnect with his family, to reconnect with the farm he, you know, grew up on. He's taken steps out of the darkness. And so... Not only was this movie did not have the thematic weight of heroic self-sacrifice, um, it, it it it's just a revenge story. Yeah, that's true, and and I don't I don't think they introduced these characters, the other characters in the film, in previous films. They just had to they had to make up characters out of out of thin air 
to support the revenge story. And, and they didn't really introduce them well enough to make you buy into them well enough to support the revenge story. At least for me. No, I did. I, I mean, I no, I didn't. I didn't buy Rambo's emotional attachment to the you know the girl in the story that that he's getting revenge for. Uh, you know, there's a. I mean, the obviously the setup is that he pisses off a Mexican cartel. Uh, they're human traffickers, and they kidnap, uh, you know, a young girl that he cares for. And and I don't buy into his. Uh, his emotional attachment to this girl. It's not, it's not his daughter. It's not his granddaughter. Uh, he doesn't buy into the attachment. Uh, I, so I don't buy into the attachment, but it, it's Rambo, right? I, I buy into the idea that uh, sort of like taken, right? As soon as, as soon as the uh, slave traders or the human traffickers crossed that line and kidnapped her, that he would do everything in his power to utterly destroy them and the organization. Right. So I, I don't think it matters uh, in that sense. I don't think it matters that you don't buy into that connection because the setup is good enough. You would, you'd believe that Rambo would put all of his yeah. skills at disposal to absolutely make them pay for whatever they did. I, I guess um, I just feel like there's no hope for Rambo himself. Like he's backslid into the dark place he was in before, and it never goes any any place good for him during the entire movie. If they were going to slide back into darkness, and that does happen, people who have managed to overcome some of their demons, they sometimes slide back. At least we could have had something happen where he, you know, started coming out or whatever. There just wasn't enough hope. There wasn't a thematic weight to kind of lift the material. It, yeah, um, which I think is I think is forgivable because I don't I, I don't know that we can beat this up anymore. I think that's totally forgivable if after the setup is done, you really enjoy what happens. Uh, if 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 you enjoy the action, if if you enjoy the you know the tension. And and the villains and and everything like that. What did you think about the the action in the film? What did you think about the 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 sets and and the choreography and the violence? They were okay. I mean, they weren't great, but yeah, they were Rambo esque. I mean, he's not John Wick. He's not a ballet of violence. He's he's a a brute. <laughs> he always has been. Um, and this is him being his brutal best. So, but it, it wasn't enjoyable or fun action. It was, I don't know. I'm surprised. I thought, I thought you would love it. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's, it was, it was brutal and violent and on, and I hate to say it, in a couple of a couple of places, really cheesy, uh, really cheesy computer animated uh, violence. You know, a booby trap splitting some guy's face in two, right? And and they linger. They they that that they but the editor bothered to put that in was a mistake, and that they they lingered on it for a half a second. I mean, it was it was just a fraction of a second, and just long enough for your brain to go, "Wow, that's stupid." <laughs> <laughs> like that's that belongs in a video game and not in a good way uh so a lot of the action was great you know brutal fights uh and especially the obviously the whole point is the set piece uh you know full-on man versus army guerrilla war right at the climax that's that's obviously your set piece and so it's it's sort of the fun of watching rambo do brutal rambo things to all the bad guys but I mean, I I don't want to make it sound like it's a bad movie. It's not a bad movie. It just didn't rise to the level of Rambo Four. Rambo Four is still the best in the series. Rambo Five is still a good movie, in my opinion. I still liked it. It it's better, far better than three. Um, and I really 
I felt let down because it wasn't as good as Rambo 4. That doesn't mean it's a bad movie. What do you think about uh, Brad's question in chat? Um, does this look like Sly took up a story originally for a different lead and rewrote it into a Rambo story? That question? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Haven't even thought about it. Well, could be. I'm not sure. Uh, I well, the ending is definitely a a Rambo ending. They they're like, here's a a for w without giving any spoilers as to what actually happens. There's a there's a bit of a riding off into the sunset uh, moment at the end, and uh, and unfortunately, after the rest of the film, I don't I don't feel like it was earned. Uh, it just uh, yeah, that's too bad. That's too bad. I I would say it's not a good movie. I hate to say it, but I I wouldn't recommend it. If if you're excited, if you're pumped to see Rambo and you want to see the super violence and the explosions and stuff, you're gonna have you're gonna have a good time. Fine, go see it. Right. Uh, if you if you're expecting if you're expecting a, a good story out of it, I I wouldn't. Like the I mean, you have to. I think it it pales in comparison to Rambo: First Blood. Uh, because it was that was really a story about a Vietnam vet who is wrestling with his demons and sort of pushed over the edge, and uh, with an especially powerful scene at the end, uh, where he's confronted by uh, his friend Colonel Trotman at the end. Right? You don't get anything like that in this film. I uh... okay. Well, that's it. I I'd recommend it. Um, John has. A little bit lower. <laughs> yeah. That's fine. That's why we have two of us. We have the same opinions. It would be pointless. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, wait, which one of us is Siskel and which one of us is Ebert? I don't think it matters. Okay. I'm better than both of them, so. It's true. It's true. <laughs> it Chapter 2. Oh, no. Go ahead. It Chapter 2 is nowhere near as good as It Chapter 1. And the main problem with it is they tried to make it into It Chapter 1. So It Chapter 1 was real popular. It had all the kids in it, right? Everybody loved the kids. So, so cute. Um, and it was a really good movie. I really enjoyed it. Started off slow, got spooky, did a lot of great stuff. Well, the problem with It Chapter 2 is... It was supposed to be focused on the adults, on the kids having grown up in their struggle with Pennywise. But instead, they made like more than half the movie be about the kids again. Because somebody, and you could tell, you could tell that like large swaths of the script had been hacked away and something else grafted in their place that gave them the excuse to show the kids again. And then they took all the same kid actors who were two years older and digitally de-aged them and then ran a bunch of scenes with the kids, about half the movie. And so a lot of these things that they actually set up never get followed through. So half the movie is with the adults, but all the subplots dealing with the adults, all the things you're supposed to care about, just get dropped. And it's... It's the Dead Space 2 problem got hit as well. I said this on the show once before, talking about Dead Space 2 the very first thing that happens in Dead Space 2 is a guy literally rips his face off and tentacles comes out and he turns into a monster right in front of you. It completely is so absurdly over the top, so absolutely mind-bogglingly gorily over the top that it ruins the game because there's no suspense, there's no, uh, all the horror is gone. 
it's just, blah, you know, you got to build up horror. You got to build up suspense. Even in a sequel, you don't give it all away in the first few seconds. You got to set it up again. And they didn't in it chapter two. It was 100, you know, they're going 100 miles an hour right out of the gate. And all the stuff that they could have done with the adults, they skipped over. They even had a, in the first movie, they have a bully who's going to go carve his initials on um, the chubby kid's, you know, belly or chest. And in the book, he shows up later because Pennywise lets him out of uh, the insane asylum. And he dogs the adults through the, their uh, struggle with Pennywise. Well, in this movie, he's supposed to have some stuff going on. But he's there for a teeny tiny bit. Then they stab him and he drops dead in a parking lot. And then you never see him again. The entire rest of the movie. Even at the point, the absolute perfect point, where you haven't seen him in a while, and that would be the perfect point to bring him back, because people have forgotten about him, and it would be like, oh, there he is again. That's where you should have brought him back to A, complete his arc, because he should show up at least three times, and B, scare the audience with something they weren't expecting because he'd been gone so long, they didn't stick it in there. So they completely botched this because some galaxy brain studio exec had the brilliant idea of saying, well, everybody liked the kids. Let's make this entire movie all about the kids again. That's, that's absurd because it wasn't the point of making it into two chapters instead of using flashbacks to the kids and interweaving the stories, they would just do the past as one movie and then the present as the next one. Wasn't that a deliberate decision up front? Yep. And, and okay. So they just, they, they trampled on their, their own premise and, and tried to walk back their decision after the first film had already been done. That's great. That's a good idea. That's, that's definitely how you run a professional movie filming company so it chapter two could have been great all right but what's the 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 important part it was it was it scary was it thrilling it was uh, no (laughs) well there you go it completely fails as a movie It is, it's, you can't even, don't even bother hedging anything. There's nothing. If, if a movie that's supposed to be a horror movie is not thrilling or scary, it is completely failed. Hey, at one point in the city park, you know, they've got a big statue of Paul Bunyan, right? He's a lumberjack, like eight feet tall statue. And he comes to life. Wait, what? He comes to life because it, it's like an imaginary thing, but the kid doesn't know it. Because Pennywise can make you see things, right? Like illusions. And can make you feel like they're real and stuff. He doesn't get scarier. He, he's just this big kind of kind of friendly. It, it's like the Michelin Man coming to life. Sure. I mean, that works for Ghostbusters, right? When the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man comes to life, because Ghostbusters was comedy horror. Yeah, that was a that was the punchline to the joke. Yeah. But it doesn't work for it. And it was basically the same thing. They had the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man attacking the kid, and it was supposed to be scary. Yeah. There were some unnerving moments in there. There were some tense moments. But it never 
there were some creepy moments, but it never rose to the level of scary. So, and since it wasn't meant to be a comedy, it has absolutely failed as a film. <laughs> yes. There you go. <laughs> With the the uh, it chapter two officially receives a zero percent rating from Geek Gab. It's just <laughs> horror and comedy. <laughs> If your comedy isn't funny and if your horror isn't scary, there's a lot of stuff you can do right, but you just you can have an almost drama, right? A drama that's almost really great, but even if it's kind of only okay good or mostly good, it's still decent drama. Doesn't have to be perfect, but man, comedy and horror, they have to be perfect or they're worthless. Um let me do a couple of real quick ones. Veronica Mars season four. <laughs> <laughs> All right. For something completely different. This this uh, one, I, I assume, is not intended to be a horror. No, it's not. Uh, it, it, it's kind of a... It, it's film noir only with, uh, you know, a petite blonde chick in the Philip Marlowe role. I saw all three seasons of the Veronica Mars series. I saw the HBO movie, which was crowdfunded. And now I've seen Veronica Mars season four. And if it's on Hulu, it was uh, Rob Thomas. Do you know Rob Thomas? Yeah. A very popular singer. Right. Well, apparently, he went into television producing at some point. Um, Veronica Mars was his thing. He started it. Is that so? Huh. And and I Zombie, uh, the uh, television adaptation of a comic book that's about a uh, a forensic uh, pathologist who is uh, turned into a zombie, and so she eats tiny little pieces of uh, the the brains of the people she autopsies, and then, you know, that helps her solve the cases. That's also uh, a Rob, that's also uh, also his stuff. So he's done, you know, two shows that were both, both made an impact in popular culture. So congrats to him, you know? Uh, that's amazing. And here I thought his only impact to popular culture was to sell out uh, wineries for a bunch of middle-aged women to hear him sing. <laughs> so if you've seen Veronica Mars and you like Veronica Mars, uh, this Veronica Mars season four done in partnership with Hulu is another season of Veronica Mars, and it delivers pretty much exactly what you're looking for. Hmm. It was Veronica Marsy. All I, right. I, what else am I supposed to say? She's a detective. She detects. There's mysteries. People got murdered, and she has to find out who and why. And that's funny because I never, I've never actually seen Veronica Mars. Is is that the the gist of the show? Is just she's just Nancy Drew. She's a private detective. Uh, in the original series, she was the daughter of a private detective, but because he's always busy and going out of town and stuff, she just keeps on taking over his cases and getting them solved. She does the legwork herself. She does surveillance, takes pictures. Sometimes kids at school come to her and gets she gets paid money. She keeps the family afloat through getting paid to be a real private detective. That's the show. So, yeah. All right, sounds good. If... Uh, so if you saw Veronica Mars and you like Veronica Mars, this is another season of Veronica Mars. I don't know what else to tell you. <laughs> you've you've said enough. Yeah. 
That was the point. This is supposed to be a short thing. It's not supposed to be a long war pig rant on the subject of Veronica Mars. Would you like to do that? No. We should. We can set aside a special event. We'll set aside a special event. <laughs> Daddy war pig rants. Veronica Mars. <laughs> I think I would rather watch some other show that people would never expect that I would watch just to do a rant on that. Oh, uh, very good. Uh, Daddy Warpig rants, glorious ladies of wrestling. It's <laughs> Oh, man. Is it glorious or glamorous? I think it's glamorous. Gorgeous. I think it's gorgeous. Is it? It's it's G. Any any G word will will substitute nicely. All right, Mortal Engines. I don't know what the name is supposed to mean. Maybe it has some kind of deeper meaning if you read the books. Whatever, I don't care. It's a series about a world where there was an apocalypse and some things happened and the world got all messed up cuz the plate tectonics got messed up and so everybody lives now in mobile cities that travel along the ground on giant treads like massive tanks um to where like if you've ever seen a an actual tank drive along the ground you know how they leave divots on the ground yeah the depth of those divots is taller than a man you could drop a literal a literal human being into those divots, and it's, it's like twice the height of a man. That's how big these cities are. Wow. Um, and so obviously, you know, it's steampunky, and it's obviously impossible tech. Weird science technology. So I had never seen this movie before. I kind of wanted to see it. It was produced by Peter Jackson, did not do very well in the theaters. Um, and the critics savaged it, but that didn't mean it was necessarily bad because critics are worthless nowadays. But all the like internet people I see or I typically watched pretty much savaged it too. Like Cinema Sins and Red Letter Media and all the guys, uh, all the usuals, they savaged it too. So I thought, wow, this is really awful. It must be really awful. So I an opportunity to watch it for free, legitimately for free, um, uh, without any without any yo-ho-ho and a bottle of rum, legitimately watch it, came up, and so I said, okay, yeah. And I watched it, and to my surprise, it was not as bad as everybody said. It was an okay movie. It was kind of entertaining. I... What made it what made it entertaining? What was good about it? Um the characters were all right. They're not great, but they were all right. I didn't hate them. I didn't they weren't obnoxious to be around. They didn't do stupid things. The movie didn't lecture me about politics or stop and pull virtue signaling. Um they had some action. That was cool. They had a bunch of different stuff that was kind of neat. I mean, it actually is pretty cool to see a giant city chase down a smaller city and harpoon it and drag it inside. Um, you know, it's it's kind of cool to see a giant city floating in the sky. Um, and then a kind of an undead guy crossed with a Terminator show up to capture somebody and have a fight scene right in the middle of the city where, you know, he slams a dude so hard, the guy goes flying through the floor and just drops. And he's gone. But you see him fall. It was a cool fight scene. I enjoyed it. You know? They had a, a prison that walked on stilts through the ocean. That was cool. That sounds cool. They They put enough stuff on the screen and you know, everybody was whining about, oh, they listed four things and I don't even know what they were. Oh, it's like, dude, one scene at the end of the movie, the guy said, well, these enemies, these enemies, these enemies, and these enemies, we're going to crush them. That's it. 
they didn't give you an hour of exposition. They didn't give you a big, you know, voiceover or whatever that you had to memorize. They didn't spout these weird names at you the whole show. One scene, four names. Suck it up, you know? I mean, I was seriously expecting one of those weird, heavy exposition, heavy movies. It wasn't. It was it was just an all right movie. I mean, it wasn't super great, but it wasn't awful. It was watchable and, and enjoyable. They put enough cool stuff on the screen for me to enjoy it. Yeah. Sounds good. So, uh, I mean, I guess I'm giving it a qualified recommend. If that sounds, you know, if steampunkish stuff sounds okay to you, and you understand the limitations where I'm coming from, um, you know, it's it's probably worth going to see. And it was okay. It sounds all right. I probably would have been. I'd probably be a lot happier, see, happier seeing that than uh, the other steampunkish thing on the list. What was it called? Uh, Carnival Row. Oh, Carnival Row. Yeah, not steampunkish. Is is more of a urban fantasy. Yeah, yeah, urban fantasy. But it's but it's it's set in uh, Victorian England, so it's 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 in the same time period. Here's where it gets hilarious. It's not set in Victorian England. Wait, really? Yeah, it's set in a fantasy world. In a second world fantasy, like a D and D campaign. In fact, it's set in exactly like a D and D campaign, like Eberron. Because it is Victorian England to a T, only it's not. It's a city-state in a fantasy world. That that just happens to look like London at yeah. that time period. And has mostly the same politics. And and, and, and a Jack the Ripper storyline premise in the first episode? Uh, the whole series actually revolves around that mystery. Oh, you made it through the whole series. See, I, I have did. seen I have seen Carnival Row, and and I did watch the first episode, and that's about as long as I lasted. Why don't you tell me more about this series? Um, so in Carnival Row, there is the Victorians, and I'll call them Victorians, even though they're not, because I don't remember the name of the land or the city or whatever. And this is what happens when we have far too many interesting and engaging guests i tend to forget details about these shows and then there's the land of the fairies in between and then the land of the evil eastern europeans on the other side well oh i'm gonna have to, it's gonna be painful to talk about a couple of these things the Evil European, evil Eastern Europeans landed and tried to conquer some of the fairies. And so the Victorians landed and tried to ally with some of the fairies. And we're not talking about like, you know, Thumbelina. We're talking about basically human beings. They're the same size as human beings. And they've got, uh, at least the main ones have, they look sort of like uh, dragonfly wings. And there are other varieties. There are several species of fairies. Uh, some uh, look like fawns. Some look like really, really big fawns with major horns. Um, and so there's been this long war on the fey lands between the evil Eastern Europeans and the Victorians. Both sides have a lot allied with the fairies and they fight back and forth. So, there's just a moment that I dread that's coming up and I'm going to put it off for just a second. Okay. Um, so yeah, and, and they do, they've, I mean, I, in I saw the first episode. There were two main types of fairies. There's the tink. They're just full size Tinkerbells, right? With like right. you said, the, the dragonfly wings. They're all female. They're they're all tiny, skinny people. Uh, it's just it's just a whole race of Tinkerbells. And then uh, there's others that look like fawns, or they've got big horns, or something like that. And some of them are right. very tall. Um. 
I'm pretty sure we we they only had female ones in the first episode, but I'm pretty sure there actually are males. There are males with those wings because we do see them later. Uh, if if we do, we see them later. I, after the first episode, I was given the impression that there were only females with the wings. Because uh, some of them have, have formed a street gang, and we see a couple of them in the street gang. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Well, there. I, I was I was wondering if if uh, I was wondering if they had decided that no, it's just all females. It's just nothing but Tinker Pills. Which might but, have at least been interesting. Yeah, it might have been interesting, and especially with the with some of the stuff that they some of the themes that they go over in that first episode. I just had assumed that that was the case. Um, the Victorians got their butts kicked. They got their butts kicked up and down the fairy continent, and they got their butts kicked out. And so the Eastern European bad guys, the evil Eastern Europeans, uh, took over. And so a bunch of the fairies uh, became refugees in Victoria, not Victoria. And they took over a street called dun, da, 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 Carnival Row. Oh, it's the name of the show. I get it. Right. Um, and there's a lot of strife because nobody in the city likes them. And a lot of them don't like humans. So, here's the moment I dreaded. It's okay, you can do it. First off, these fairies, although they are supposed to be magical, they have access to magical spells and traditions that humans just don't have. Really, other than their wings and flying, and some spells used by somebody later in the show, you never, ever, ever see even the slightest hint of the fantastical, the magical, the mystical, the whimsical, the wondrous at all, ever. There is nothing romantic or anything about it. It, uh, people have reeled about Gygaxian naturalism, which means that, you know, if we go back to Paul, uh, Paul Anderson's um, Three Hearts and Three Lions, the Fae were kind of, they weren't from our world. They weren't a natural part of our world. They dwelled in another world. And they were supernatural creatures, supernatural beings. And so the sign of the cross could hurt them. Oh, by the way, this world, this, this alternate Victoria has a religion. Only instead of it being uh, someone who was nailed to a cross for mankind's sins, it was someone who was hanged for mankind's sins. So, whereas people wear crucifixes or crosses in our world, in this world, this fantasy world in Carnival Row, they wear nooses around their necks. Ooh, clever. Because it's not Victoria. Sorry. I should have thought it was. <laughs> well, it is. It is. I mean, here's here's the thing. You've already sort of touched on on the points that that are they're obvious allegories. This is obviously England. Yes. These these fae are obviously refugees from other parts of the world. Uh, and the reason why you don't see anything magical or fantastic is because the the writers are the writers are completely incompetent and they're too steeped in the in the allegory to even bother with that stuff because everybody knows that this is just they're just packies or they're just Syrians or or whatever, right? 
they they really 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 make that explicit in the first couple of episodes that like these are refugees and this is really all about you know trump and a wall and and syria and then they start talking about imperialism and racism and like in those terms like modern oh, yeah. social justice terms those words get thrown around and i don't think cultural appropriation itself was thrown in but it might as well have because i know the concept was it's yeah i i can't believe you made it through the whole series <laughs> um so here's why jeffro would go all killdozer <laughs> <laughs> Because this is, he already dislikes the Gygaxian naturalism, where you take these superhuman beings, these supernatural beings that are not part of the real world, that are part of fairyland, that are part of this otherworldly place that human beings are not meant to trod, um, that it's in fact dangerous for humans to go not just physically dangerous uh, and not even primarily physically dangerous it's dangerous for your soul they will mislead you they will seduce you they will use their uh glamours to um get you to give up your soul and it's hazardous only by clinging to your faith as a Christian, can you get through? Um, oh, by the way, uh, Mixed GM asks, uh, the religion is evil, right? No, the the um, the pseudo-Christian religion actually isn't evil. Um, the few adherents that are shown in the show are really sincere people. They're very kind and... and uh, people and they they genuinely serve others the most devout person who shows up in the show is uh he, he works in an orphanage he takes care of of orphan boys so there that didn't get make it into the show i don't know maybe it'll make it into season two um but uh so that's what they're supposed to be, right? They're supposed to be these uh, supernatural beings. And then there's Gygaxian naturalism where, you know, orcs are a species. They're just like, um, you know, deer. They're just like um, Neanderthal man. They're just like any natural species that could ever have existed. Uh, same for, you know, kind of elves. Elves are a little bit mystical. They have some innate magic. They have some special rules that apply to them. Um, but they have, they're born, they live, they die, they have cities, things like that. But this is beyond naturalism. It is... Uh, It is subnaturalism, if I could say that. If uh, Paul Anderson is supernatural and Gary Gygax was natural, then these fairy beings are subnatural. It is the it is profaning fairyland and not just reducing it to a natural place, another just another country that gets just conquered. But it's in a crap sack world where everything is sickening and dark and disgusting and vile. There is no hope in this world. There is nothing. The one person in this world who is good and decent and virtuous and selfless is the lady you saw killed in the first episode. Mm hmm. Yeah, so, and uh, uh, that brings me to one of my main complaints was that uh, it was there is nothing enjoyable or likable about any of the characters at all. I mean, 
I, I did I interrupt your rant there? No, that okay. doesn't really change. It's. I think it's my turn to rant because <laughs> I I hated this show so much uh, that I'm glad we got the chance to talk about it this episode. Uh, I hated almost every moment of of the first episode. Uh, it, it opens up with a violent action scene that's supposed to evoke a pra- saving private Ryan style. Oh, brutality. This is a, you know, this is a dark and dangerous world uh, with hilariously inept uh, headshots made by evil East Europeans standing and running. Uh, these guys are the most accurate musket wielders in any fiction. Uh, It's a stupid action scene uh, about fairies that you don't care about just to set up this one character, you know, that the, you know, the badass fairy lady that we are going to suffer with, with the rest of the show. It is Uh, is misery porn. It's, it's absolutely misery porn. You you go back to this, this absolutely not London. And uh, yeah, all the fairies are at a brothel and the only good, and it's, it's cliche after cliche. The the brothel's a cliche. The uh, we're introduced to Orlando Bloom's detective character, and of course he's working on the serial killer case that nobody believes in, or either they believe it can't be solved or shouldn't be solved because he's targeting the refugees. But no, he's the only good guy. They even do the uh, they even have him uh, punch out the racist sergeant. standing up for the refugees and punching the racist sergeant who's absolutely not a a clan rally and then he's at the sergeant's desk uh he i i thought he was gonna say turn in your badge and gun i really did there was there they played that scene the lethal weapon scene the rogue cop scene again but he's the only one who believes in the uh in the case and of course clues get dropped into his lap through no uh you know through no effort on on his part uh and his his investigation still skills involved uh running around and getting himself into, into fist fights uh but of course he's portrayed as, as the virtuous one right because he's one of the few humans who cares about the refugees naturally Every every line of dialogue is is cliche uh, and and painful to listen to. Uh, the whole set and and the whole setting they're all miserable, as you were saying. Uh, it's it's all dark and gloomy and well, grim dark. I think is the right uh, phrase. And it is uh, aside from all the cliche and bad writing, it is chock full of uh, ham-fisted allegory. It's very preachy. Uh, and it it doesn't engender any sort of sympathy or empathy for any of the characters in the story. I just, I think this is, this is terribly written. Uh, I hate this place and I never want to go back. Uh, the, I do have one nice thing to say about it though. I thought the costumes and the sets were pretty cool. They did a really good job on the costumes. Excellent. I mean, they were just phenomenal. Um, but uh, every time they brought in a new character, the costumes were impeccable. Impeccable. Um, because they were appropriate for that character's status in the society. They uh, None of them were ill-fit or looked like they'd been slapped on at the last minute. And they also uh, gave the impression that that character was who they were. Like the flighty blonde girl wears a series of dresses that a flighty blonde girl would wear. Mm-hmm. Um, and the uh, Faye who's trying to look like a high-class fashion gentleman um, wears a series of clothes that are even more Tony than all of the uh, well-dressed, wealthy people around him. It it, it just uh, is very impressive. Special effects, uh, the makeup effects, excuse me, were also uh, amazing. Uh, all the horns and and uh, all the other 
uh, makeup effects were just incredible. The sets were great. I don't know where they found all these houses to shoot in or if they were sets they built or whatever, but however they did it, um, they just, they did a phenomenal job. Uh, technically speaking, the show is, is incredible. Sure. And, and that, I think that was the big draw. Uh, I agree. I, I saw, I, I saw a commercial for it originally in a theater actually. Uh, and, and they had interviews with Orlando Bloom and everything like that. And I was like, well, this, that, that looks really cool. I'd, I'd love to see that in action. Uh, how did you make it through the whole series? Do you have, do you have a higher tolerance than I do for that kind of bullshit? <laughs> Must be. I uh, I don't remember. <laughs> it was all a fog. Uh, well, I I think I, it's I think it's I think it is irredeemable trash, and nobody should watch it. I I have nothing but contempt for Carnival Row and the people responsible for it. I will say this, folks, if you're listening uh, and you decide to watch it, um, there is – Amazon has apparently decided to learn the wrong lessons from HBO. Um, there are several, several scenes of nudity in the show every single episode, and so I was constantly uh, – constantly having to do having to look away uh, and close my eyes and then make wait until i was sure this scene was done to look back um oh that and that was another part of my rant that i had blanked on uh <laughs> absolutely gratuitous uh softcore sex scenes that belong on cinemax and wouldn't you know it add absolutely nothing to the story uh, we need. Uh, what do you do in 2019 when you need to establish that two characters are sleeping together? Well, why don't you just have them do it right there on screen? There's definitely no other way to get that uh, that information to the viewers. Plus, it'll titillate them. Irredeemable trash. Yeah. Yeah. I think I finished watching it because I wanted to review it for the show. That you did, sir. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, what else is on your list? Are we done? No, no, that was it. Those five things were it on my list. Wow, we clocked in at an hour. We are the best. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Is there anything you want to say on a positive note to end the show on a positive note? Positive note. Um, I've been reading the four book series Takeover by uh, on Spock and Cole that's leading up to the next um, season. I don't know when that is. Uh, I've really enjoyed them. There's four smaller books. I'm assuming they're going to compile them together in one book and release it at some point, but I've been reading the four individual ones. Uh, very much enjoyed those. They're all, all four of them are real short. They're only $2 a piece. So, um, oh, all right, uh, I've got, uh, and we'll be talking to Nick Cole again soon in a couple of weeks. Uh, big, big surprise on my end. I'm, I'm working on our uh, friend Hardy LaBelle, going to come back and and talk to us about his books and and uh, more war stories from the video game industry. We'll get him on the next couple of weeks. Uh, I'm super happy to have uh, people live in the chat. Thanks for uh, mixed GM casts. Emmett and Bradford and a few others as usual. It's always good to have you guys hang around talking about uh, games and, and films and stuff. Uh, so yeah. I definitely appreciate you. <laughs> I want you to, I, I want to see you try and pronounce that other dude's name. That other dude's name? Yeah, the uh, one in the green. <laughs> I, can't, I can't read hexadecimal like that. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, 97B55. Yeah, sure. Uh, I, I, I wonder what I wonder what that is. I I don't recognize it as a as a particular color or anything. Yeah, I'll probably be disappointed. <laughs> All right. um, I likewise want to thank everybody for uh, tuning into the show, uh, listening live. I also want to thank everybody who turns into the tunes into the show later. 
Um, we hope you uh, enjoyed us reviewing everything under the sun, including a show that I bet nobody thought I would ever review. <laughs> <laughs> Although I, I did review the uh, entire um, Twilight series on uh, on Castalia House. So <laughs> you never can tell. <laughs> it's a great sacrifice for us. I watch all four of those movies to the uncut version of three of them. So <laughs> I was there, man. Um, we're available, of course, on uh, on YouTube here, youtube.com slash geekgap. We're available on uh, the iTunes store, the Google Play store, and on uh, soundcloud.com. Just do a search for geekgab, uh, and you can listen to us on the device of your choice, your iPhone, your iPad, any of your Android devices, and uh, just on the web if you are declaring your freedom from major corporations. Um, we, your hosts, are signing out for today, but don't you worry, don't you fret, we will be back.